Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app, whether that is iTunes or Podbean or Spotify, which is on both platforms. We're also on Dash Radio. Download the Dash Radio app for free. Search for Nothing But Net. We're there every day at 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm also on OnsideRadio.com every day. That's the new locally owned radio station here in South Florida, the only sports radio station locally owned there every day from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. That actually will be expanding soon, and we cover more than just the Miami Heat, although we do cover the Miami Heat there as well. Also, FiveReasonSports.com, our free website, FiveReasonSports.com. We do not have a paywall. Again, we cover all the South Florida teams. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. So many of our sponsors are local, and they're big Miami sports fans. That includes our friend Mark Brown. This is a real estate litigation and transaction law firm, both commercial and residential with a full service attorney owned title company and Mark Brown PA. There's a $295 closing fee on all refinances and purchases when mentioning five reasons. That's the deal. Mention five reasons, 295 bucks on the closing fee on all refinances and purchases. They handle evictions for both landlords and tenants, and they offer flat fee evictions. Practicing for nearly 15 years here in South Florida, you can reach an email, mark, M-A-R-C, at marcbrownpa.com, or call the office at 954-566-5678. Again, that's 954-566-5678, markbrownpa.com. Mention five reasons, $295 on the closing fee. And now, today's episode. One, two, three, four, five on the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor here on the five reasons sports network. Today's floor plan is pretty simple. We're going to give the floor to the voice of the Miami heat, Eric Reed. He has been on the podcast with us before. It feels like forever ago. It actually was about a year and a half ago. He was on prior to the 1920 season doing some predictions. He had a lot of things, right? He had Bam's growth. He had Jimmy fitting in great with the Miami heat in terms of the culture. He had Kendrick Nunn and, and Tyler hero making big impressions in their rookie seasons. But I will say this, Eric, you missed on a couple of big things. One, you did not predict COVID uh, Two, You did not predict the bubble three. You did not predict Bam's block against uh, against Boston. <laughs> and you did not predict. You, you did not predict Jimmy Butler having two of the greatest games of all time. How did you miss on all of those things? You're supposed to, you're the voice of the heat. You've been there since the beginning. You're supposed to be clairvoyant. Yeah. Nobody saw an Eastern conference championship uh, that fast for this group either. So there was a lot of unpredictable things about last year and just as many this year. But I think what is pretty predictable is uh, a very wide open and competitive group of teams in the East. The heat are one of those teams and I'm excited about the season ahead, Ethan. I think the Heat have a very deep and a very good basketball team. And, uh, and, and even with all the continuity, they still have their share of questions going in with, with a very short preseason and, a, and, a, and an even shorter uh, training camp ramp up, you know, preseason uh, to start this year. So it's going to be fun, though, and we're ready to jump into it. All right, so let's jump into it. And we are going to get into some of those predictions and some of the things that you see going into 2021, which obviously starts 
just in a couple of days as we're recording this, uh, you know, obviously the first game up in Orlando and then the second game here, Christmas Day uh, against New Orleans at 12 o'clock at the arena. But I want to get into the broadcasting side of this with you first, because you had that unusual experience in the bubble where you were doing it from the arena. Now this year, the arena is open. I will be there. I'm going to be credentialed. I'm going to go to a bunch of the games at home and maybe a few on the road, Uh, but it is going to be very, very different with no fans. Is this closer though, in some ways to what you're accustomed to? It's a step in the right direction, Ethan, uh, with teams, at least the teams traveling from city to city. Um, The games uh, at home will at least be in front of us. Um, but it is still very unusual. I, I mean, you know, in, in the bubble, you know, we did all the games from our courtside location at the American Airlines Arena. And I can't tell you how surreal and, and, and sort of unique that, that experience was, driving into an empty parking garage, walking through a vacant building, uh, looking at all the empty seats. Um, but the weirdness went away as soon as the game started. And there we were doing games off, you know, two 75-inch TV monitors in front of us. And, and the minute the game started, I was just so honed in and attached to the action. And, and in one way, you know, only TV aficionados will appreciate this. But when you're doing a game live, you know, in normal times, it, it, I almost equate it to driving where the court is my road. So I'm spending most of my time looking at the court in front of me. But the TV monitors are like your side view and rear view mirrors. You're constantly checking because that's what the viewer's actually seeing. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a delicate balance of monitoring both, Ethan. But, you know, during the, during the restart in the bubble, you know, all we saw was the same feed everybody was enjoying on television, and it simplified the task in that way. Well, now we fast forward to this year. Uh, you know, no broadcaster is traveling this year in the league. And no broadcaster is, is, is any longer sitting courtside. So our broadcast location is elevated. That's fine. We still have a great view of the game. I think what makes it, what, what makes it odd and different is that, you know, we're distanced from our own product. A, we're not going to be traveling with the team this year. Um, mm-hmm. So that really cuts down on your interaction with your own team, your own colleagues, uh, your colleagues around the league, uh, you know, the, the different broadcasters and coaches and players in each city that you would run across. Also, even going down to the floor, uh, you know, before the first preseason game at home, I, I see Karan Butler warming up some of our players. Karan and I have a long close relationship. I wasn't able to go down to the court and have a conversation with him like like I normally would. But having said all that, again, when the game begins, uh, it's business as usual. Now, for road games, we'll either be at at our arena or at the Fox Studio in Fort Lauderdale. For the the second preseason game against Toronto that was played in Tampa, we actually broadcast the game from Miami off a 12-inch TV monitor. Now, I would have never thought that would have been workable or doable until you got to work that way and do it that way. And it was fine. And, and, and as all broadcasters around the league, we're going to adapt and evolve and make it work. And more than anything else, Ethan, really just attach to the game and enjoy watching basketball with Heat Nation, something we've been able to do, fortunately, going on 33 years. So uh, when it gets down to basics, your passionate connection to the game is what carries you over some you know, unusual moments like, like we've had the last couple of seasons. And, and Eric, that's one of the things that struck me about the bubble season and something that honestly surprised me a little bit 
is that the passion that the Heat fans, you know, particularly the people I deal with on social media and through our platforms like YouTube and this podcast, they their connection to that team was incredibly strong throughout the bubble. And I think those memories will live as long as the memories that lived for the games that the fans have been able to attend. And that surprised me a lot um, because it, it does, it's, a, it's a television product now. I mean, it, you can't go at least until the Heat are able to open up the arena. I know Eric Woolworth is optimistic about that, but we don't know when that's going to be, and it's not going to be until 2021 for sure. Um, and, and I just, there is that connection. I mean, even if, you know, people went to the Dolphin game this past Sunday, it's just, it, it's just a different experience uh, when the majority of people are not consuming it that way. They're not living the Ray Allen shot in person. They're seeing it on TV. This, this fan base really connected with this team in a way that was like visceral, even though they couldn't be there to watch it. I mean, I went to a few of the bubble games. People didn't want me going because every time I went, something bad happened. Uh, but, you know, I was up there, you know, way up there. And it's not the same experience for a media member. Like you said, it's not the same experience for a broadcaster. Certainly not the same experience for a fan who basically is relying upon you or whoever it is that's calling the game when it was a national game, instead of being able to go to the arena, get a hot dog, get the popcorn, get their beer and sit there and experience it in person. I, I was surprised the connection developed to the point that it did. I think Ethan, you know, for, for the, 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 the fans that attend games, so important to the lifeblood of every professional sports organization. But when you think about it, they're the minority, you know, 20,000 people get to go to a game and maybe hundreds of thousands are watching that game on TV. So listen, everybody's missing the involvement of the fan at, at, at games. Um, but as a TV product, I think it's remained, you know, sort of unblemished in all sports. You watch the NFL right now. Yeah. You, you, you know, you can't go to crowd shots, you notice it, but I don't think it detracts from the telecast or from enjoying whatever sport it is that you're, you're in taking. I, I think that, you know, the heat fan base is very strong and very loyal. And when you're winning uh, that just adds to it. So, you know, going through the, the, the restart, things picked up, people weren't used to watching basketball in August. And then all of a sudden the playoffs begin and it gets riveting. And, and you see a Milwaukee series that goes five intense games like that. Even the Indiana sweep, Every game came down to the last couple of possessions. They were very competitive games for the most part. But uh, I just found that, you know, the memories, the moments, they were connecting. And I remember, you know, once we get past the first round in the playoffs, we don't do games anymore on local TV. But uh, John Crotty and I, you know, this year we did the uh, I've done, you know, the, the, these sort of fake calls that the Heat record for years since the Heat have been in the playoffs this year. This past year, John Crotty joined me on these, quote unquote, fake telecasts. And I take I told John, I said, you'll be amazed at how it connects you to the game and in the way you're most accustomed to. And and we treat those games like they're real. And, and the Heat may pull a soundbite out of them or two or three or five. It, it doesn't matter. I don't connect to it like that. I, I connect to it like I'm just doing the game live. And I'll never forget, you know, game one against Boston in the conference finals where Bam blocks Tatum's dunk that would have, you know, forced, forced another overtime. And, and this we're doing it, you know, on a fake broadcast that nobody's actually listening to. And when Bam blocks that shot in an empty building, by the way, and I jumped out of my seat making that call with, with great passion and enthusiasm. And I remember looking at Crotty as he's looking at me and, and I can just see the look in his eye. Like he, he's, 
thinking like this guy's out of his mind, you know, like this isn't even a real broadcast. And I, you know, I drove home that night and I, I drove home in such a thankful manner, Ethan, that, you know, 32 years in uh, to my heat career, over 40 plus years of doing basketball for somebody that the game still moves me and reaches me uh, like that. And that's why I'm in it. And that's why I still enjoy it all these years later. So I, I think, I'm not alone. There's a lot of folks that connect and get great enjoyment out of, out of watching pro sports and out of watching the Miami Heat. And, and I imagine that will be the case again once this season begins. All right, we'll get to those predictions in a second, but I do want to look back with you one last time before we get to a break and then we do that. Uh, we talked a lot uh, previously about favorite Heat teams, and I, we even did a podcast here on Five on the Floor where we tried to find our top five. And it's hard to omit the championship teams, obviously, because – that's what you're striving for. That's what this organization has always said that they're about. And there were those three runs, obviously, 06, 12, and 13. And then there were other runs to the finals. But then we mixed in other teams that didn't win championships, the 03, 04 team, the so-called Road Warriors teams of the late 90s, even though they didn't pay off in a title and, and three times didn't even pay off in getting past the Knicks. Um, now that you have had some time to reflect, and it hasn't been that long, it's been less than three months, not even not, maybe two months, uh, since this finals run, where does this team fit for you, this last team, 1920? I think what, one of, you know, I would say one of my favorite teams, one of my favorite seasons. It was so surprising with the twists and turns that it took. Um, you know, the regular season before the March 11th shutdown was entertaining in its own right. Um, as, as it came together and then it got unplugged. You didn't know if it would get restarted or not. I thought, I, I, I don't think I've ever been prouder. Listen, I've been so proud to work for the Heat and to work in the NBA uh, from the day it began for me in October, 1988, but never prouder than, than I was this summer uh, to work in a league and for a team uh, that showed what they did, you know, in Orlando. And, and the two things that I think they showed was, Number one, without fans in the building, I thought those games and those teams were played so hard and were so focused. The games were competitive and compelling, and I thought the product was really outstanding, uh, all things considered. And the other thing factored into it uh, was the social messaging, uh, both the things on players' jerseys, uh, Black Lives Matter on the court, people not shying away from issues and from statements, and, and, and from really meaningful moments outside of basketball. And, and they didn't run away from, from Black Lives Matter. They didn't hide from that. And, and I was proud to be a part of that as well with, with some messaging that we did on, on one of the telecasts, why Black Lives Matter so much to me. It became personal. Um, so all of those things combined uh, made it a, a, a unique season. But then you, you wind up going all the way to an NBA championship. And, and I think, Ethan, in a strange but real way, this became maybe the most popular Heat team ever from people outside of Miami. Mm -hmm. The whole country, you know, I think when we had our greatest teams here with the big three, you know, we were sort of looked at as the evil empire. It was the Heatles here, and, and we were sort of hated everywhere else. Um, you know, the, the team people loved to come and boo, the, the team that, that everybody just wanted to beat. Uh, but, but this year, this past year, they, they were such a team and there was no one standout star, although Jimmy Butler certainly emerges that in the NBA finals. 
But I just thought it was a, as cohesive and collective an effort as we've seen in 32 years of Heat basketball. And I think the whole country gravitated to it and appreciated it. And you had more Heat fans out there nationally than maybe, you know, ever before. So I, I hope that carries over. I, I know it will with the team. Uh, I don't think there's a greater motivator than making it to the finals the year before mm -hmm. and losing. Now, it hasn't worked out for the last team, two teams that's happened to. Cleveland a few years ago, uh, uh, Golden State as well, didn't make the playoffs a year after losing in the NBA Finals. But I don't think that's going to be an issue for this year's Heat team. I, I think they got a great chance to get back. And I, I think that, that they're in for what should be another terrific season. Yeah, no doubt. And, and those two teams were such strange circumstances because LeBron leaves one and the other one, Curry, gets hurt. And so, you know, with, with this one, at least knock on something, you know, they came into camp in good shape and, and they made a couple of changes that look like at worst, they will be lateral moves and, and obviously have added precious in the draft. All right. When we come back, we're going to get into some of what may happen with this team. We're going to allow Eric to make his predict predictions. We will not force him to predict another global pandemic right back. We'll get back to our episode in a second, but before we do I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the five reasons sports network, this is our friend Mark over at You Break Wheel Fix. This is in North Miami. I visited him down there. It's a great facility. You should go check it out yourself. You Break Wheel Fix is a wheel repair and refinishing company located in North Miami with 15 years of experience. They fix bent or cracked wheels that are damaged on the streets of South Florida. They got fast turnaround times on most repairs. They even offer the loaner wheels when you fix or refinish your wheels so you can keep your car on the road without interruption. If your wheels are faded or peeling, You Break Wheel Fix offers complete refinishing Back to factory standards. If you're bored with the look of your wheels, you break wheel fix offers over 5,000 different finishes to customize the look of those wheels, including the vice colors. Don't spend money on new wheels when you can renew them at you break wheel fix. They offer a full line of custom wheels and tires for every vehicle application. They offer in-house repair and complete vehicle customization. So call you break wheel fix today. 305 748 305-748-0112. 0112 or check them out online. You break wheel fix. That's W H E E L fix.com. You can find them on Google, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Yelp. I recommend Instagram because you can check out everything that they do there. Also, you mentioned five reasons. We always got a deal for you. you mentioned five reasons sports. When you call, you receive 15% off anything, any of their services mentioned five reasons, 15% off. And now back to today's episode. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor with Eric Reed, the voice of the Miami Heat, been there since the beginning. We're talking to Tony Fiorentino about the originals, uh, and he is one of the six originals that is still with the team. All right, let's get into some predictions for this season, or at least, I mean, you don't have to predict numbers or anything like that. Last year, Bam Adebayo basically predicted as a stat line. He gave it to Dwayne Wade, and it ended up being what it was. Uh, but I want to start here with him. What, in your view, is the next stage of growth for Bam after we saw in his first year as a starter, he makes an all-star team, he wins a skills competition, uh, he's in the running for defensive player of the year uh, and most improved player. Uh, what is the next stage of evolution for Bam? You know, I don't know, Ethan. We're going we're gonna to find out, though. I, I think one of, one of the things is an intangible. It's, it's his leadership and, and the mantle of that leadership, you know, from Udonis, to him, uh, sharing it with Jimmy Butler. I, I think you're going to see more of that from Bam Adebayo. I think you're going to clearly see his offensive game continue to grow. 
And he's going to do the other things at a very high level too: rebound and defend and, and uh, initiate and play, make and set screens and roll to the basket. Uh, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a little bit more help, which looks like a very deep front court alongside of him. But I just think you're going to see his offensive game expand. You're going to see more of a mid range game to him. I don't think Bam needs to go out and start making threes, but he's going to make more 15 to 16 footers. I can guarantee you that. And, uh, but yet, He's proven he doesn't need to score a lot to, to, to mean a lot in terms of Miami winning games. And as long that's going to continue, listen, he got paid, he deserved it, but I don't think his focus is going to change. And that's why he was, I think, such a great investment for Miami. He, he's only 23. Um, you know, Spo calls him no ceiling for a reason. I think he's one of the, the winning, most coachable players that we've ever run across. And uh, I think not only is he probably the most important player on the team right now, but I think he's an incredible asset as, as you know, when, when you talk about free agency and recruiting magnets and, and tools at the Heat's disposal, Bam's right near the top of the list there. Yeah, you know, what stuck out to me in the first preseason game was when he got on the floor for a loose ball. I think it led to a, a layup or an easy one, maybe a dunk for Duncan Robinson. And it's just like, that's how your max player, your center should play. And, you know, I don't want to disparage anybody else, but I'm just saying not everybody does that. You get the max contract. You're not always on the floor in a preseason game uh, to get a loose ball to set up your teammate. And to me, not that I had any doubts, but when I saw that, I'm like, okay, he's still bam. I, I did have one more question on him because you've seen all the great bigs uh, for the heat, whether it was, you know, the organic, the guys that grew here organically or the ones that they picked up like a Shaq or a Bosch. I know everybody's unique. Obviously Udonis, uh, you know, has a special place here. Bam is carving out his own niche in a lot of ways, but he, he's a homegrown talent in the sense that he's probably already the second best draft pick in Miami heat history. I mean, Glenn Rice would be up there as well. Although a lot of that didn't really happen until, until Glenn was gone. He didn't become an all-star until he was gone. Uh, where do you see, uh, where can Bam, I mean, you mentioned no ceiling. Our guy, Greg Sylvander has been calling him no ceiling for a while as well. Like, where do you see this ending for him? Like, I, I mean, can he be a better pro ultimately than Chris Bosch was? Can, where does it, I don't know. You know, that's the rest of what the rest of his career is for. Um, where does it end? I, you know, with a banner, you know, hanging from the rafters one day, hopefully a couple of championships, you know, in his bio, but, you know, it's really still just beginning. I mean, the guy's only 23 years old and he's already a seasoned veteran pro who really only is concerned about winning. Um, yeah, it's really, he's a coach's dream. He's a teammate dream. And I think it was really important what, what Miami did with him. Um, that's how you treat your best player. That's how you treat a guy that's going to carry your culture into the next decade. Um, it not only sends the right message to him, it sends the right message to his teammates and the rest of the league. Um, you do the things he does. You do get taken care of by your team. So I was very happy with the move to, to tie him up. And, and, and when you can invest that kind of money and lock up a guy for another five years, and he's only 23. I, I think that's a that's win-win for everybody. The scary thing with free agency is when you're paying guys near 30 and you're mm -hmm. and, and at the end of the contract, you know, you're talking about 33, 34, 35 year old guys. That's where it's riskier. I, I think with Bam, it was a, it was a no brainer. So I look for another step, uh, you know, in, in what 
could be one of the great careers that, that we as Heat people uh, get a chance to witness over these three decades of Miami Heat basketball. Well, you mentioned it can be a little scary when you go get a free agent that age, and the Heat did that last offseason. They went and got a guy in Jimmy Butler. There were some questions about how he would fit in a program like this. I don't, looking back, those questions seem a little bit ridiculous. Uh, but there was also legitimate questions about age, about where, about where he would be at the end of his deal. And then we just saw at the end of one of the most grueling seasons in NBA history, him have two of the greatest performances that we've ever seen in NBA finals. Before we get into what is here for Jimmy this year, I'm going to put you on the spot because I put Tony on the spot when I had him on. To me, there are three performances, and you would know better than I because you were there for all of them, but there were three performances that stand out in Heat history. Um, and actually, when I tweeted this out, one of the guys involved in one of those performances agreed with this list of three. So if Dwayne says it, I'll go with it. But basically, game three in Dallas uh, against the Mavericks, um, down 2-0 in 06, Dwayne Wade. Uh, LeBron James in Boston, 2012, Game six, backs against the wall. They're going to break up the whole damn team. Maybe Chris Bosch just traded. LeBron comes out with 45 and 15 in that type of setting uh, to win when, when nobody else is really giving anything offensively. And then the Butler performances, you could pick either of the two. I think the second was better than the first, but I think you could go with either of them. Yeah. How do you rank 40 them? Points. How do you rank them, Eric? Well, he had 40, 13 assists, 11 rebounds in game three. And then he goes 35 points, 12 boards, 11 assists, five steals, and 47 minutes in game five in the, in the two heat victories, uh, you know, two of the great finals triple doubles we have ever seen. Spoh's great quote about that's what a champion looks like before he's a champion, uh, when Jimmy was just physically and emotionally exhausted, but still grinding away. Uh, yeah, epic, just epic. And, and you know, playoff Jimmy, was unlike any other version of Jimmy that the world has ever seen. And he doesn't have to start the season like that this year, and, and, and he won't. But knowing he can get to that and seeing what kind of teammate he was, and, and it wasn't just to the young guys. I mean, look at the bond he created with Dragic. They've become, you know, it's become a legendary sort of iconic uh, relationship between two of your better veteran players and, 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 you know, if Gorin and Bam don't get injured in game one of the finals, isn't it's not an excuse or, or a fallback. I mean, that, that would have been it went six games anyway. That could have been a very different championship series. But, you know, Butler was great with his veteran teammates. He was even better with his young teammates, infusing confidence, uh, not afraid to show tough love. He's brutally honest. And I think, listen, right time, right place. For Jimmy Butler and Miami, you're getting a, a mature man, a player that has matured greatly over his over his, you know, 10 years in the NBA or nine previous years. And he's found himself surrounded by like minded individuals in an organization that reflects his, you know, win it all every every game right now mentality. And, and, and I think that's what he was always looking for. And that's why the fit is so seamless. And uh, I think we're all looking forward to year two of Jimmy in Miami. You know, he makes you one of the better defensive teams and one of more and one of the more competitive teams in the NBA just by his presence. All right, but I'm putting you on the spot here before we go to break. How do you rank them? I, I, I'm not. Go, I, I'm not going to rank them. I mean, listen, all all <laughs> all three of those. 
you know, I, I listen, I, I would guess that that I would rank them like this. Wade one, uh, uh-huh. Butler two, and then LeBron three. And and LeBron's performance, uh, you know, is better than a third ranking there. But just by the virtue that it wasn't in the finals, I'm going to put it at, right. at number three. But those are three of the legendary epic playoff performances that that Heat Nation has had the privilege to witness. And, and look, there are others um, that, you know, Zoe's game six in Dallas, uh, you know, six, I think just for that short stint could be up there. Uh, and obviously there are other great performances. I remember Hardaway, uh, you know, finishing the Knicks with 38. I mean, there, there are many over the course of time, uh, but those three to me, those are like the A plus plus plus, right. That considering the stakes and I'm with you that LeBron's probably third because it wasn't in the finals, but the stakes were significant. Oh, yeah. You know, they were, they were significant because you, you were talking about potentially the end of the big three era before it really ever got officially started. No, and, and right? Doing I mean, it, if, doing it on the road in a place where you don't win mm-hmm. often uh, doing it in that building against that proud sort of championship caliber team in Boston. I mean, it was, uh, it was truly a moment. You know, I, I one of the, you know, other than game six in Dallas, uh, you know, that, right. that, that's gotta be the best road win in heat history. Yeah, no doubt. And like, and people are going to come at me with Ray Allen's shot and no question. Are you talking about one singular play? It may be an NBA history. It's mm-hmm. Ray Allen's shot. But when you're talking about a performance over the course of the game, to me, those are the three. All right, we'll be right back. And then we're going to get into the young players. Uh, and then we're going to let Eric go. We'll get back to Eric Reed in a second, but before we do want to tell you about the hottest new daily fantasy game. So a bunch of signups come in last week. So obviously some people are starting to listen to us. Unfortunately, I lost at the end when Patrick Mahomes kneeled down, but there is always another game and there are always other games, other players that you can play again, whether it's you can do MLB when MLB season starts, NFL, college football, or of course, we're going to be doing a lot of this for NBA. And of course, that's prizepicks.com, prizepicks.com, where you simply select two or three, four players, predict if they'll go over or under their fantasy projection. They also got promos all throughout the week. We post that on Twitter. A lot of our guys in the network are playing it. For instance, like with Jimmy Butler, do you think he's going to go over 25 points? You go over with him, then you pair him with some other player. Say, are they going to go under their rebounds, above their rebounds? You can play just about anybody on any team. So go to prizepicks.com, use the code five, that's F-I-V-E, that's the code five, F-I-V-E, prizepicks.com. Use that code. You get a hundred percent match on your first deposit up to a hundred bucks of so some free money to play with prize picks, truly daily fantasy simplified. And now back to today's episode. All right, right back on five on the floor. Now last year before the season, you talked about Tyler hero, but you also talked a lot about Kendrick Nunn. And I think at the point that we spoke about him, you know, I don't think a lot of heat fans really knew what was coming. And then he was a starter. He was second in rookie of the year voting. Of course it didn't go as well for him in the bubble, but I want to put all these guys together for you. Uh, Hero Robinson and none, because we saw tremendous contributions. Obviously you've been with the heat all this time. And it's not always been the case that rookies or young players have gotten a chance. Like they got a chance with this team last year and that they flourished. Like they flourished. Um, what do you want to see from these three guys, Hero Robinson and none. And, and what is the upside for the three of them? Well, first of all, I, I think uh, it's one of the real special things about this year's heat team, much like last. Um, it's an excellent group of playoff seasoned veterans. I mean, Butler, Dragic, Andre Iguodala, uh, you know, those are the three that, that come to mind. And Jimmy Butler, of course. Uh, now these young guys got finals experience 
you can't buy that, the, the value that that gives you, what these young players and what all the Heat players went through last year. But I love the mix of, of veterans uh, showing the way for a very impressive young core that continues to rise. I'm going to talk about those three. And then there's a couple of others that, that, have, that, are, that are starting to emerge through this year's preseason. But, you know, here's the disadvantage as we look ahead. Didn't get to watch a summer league didn't get to see players work out in September or a three week, you know, six game preseason uh, reduced to, you know, a two week, two game preseason. And now it's no wonder Eric Spolster said he put more into the practice sessions where they did a lot of five on five scrimmaging than the two preseason games. So we got to see Kendrick Nunn and Hero. I called them milk and cookies when I saw him in the summer league backcourt together and it did transfer over. So listen, Duncan Robinson, uh, the surprise guy last year, nobody, you know, had him in the starting line. Shane Battier was the first guy that I heard mention that, you know, over a year ago uh, when we were wondering who was going to start for the Heat. And he was clairvoyant and he had company, you know, in that Heat basketball side of seeing what was ahead for Duncan Robinson, who now comes back as one of the game's great perimeter shooters. So I, I would think he'll pick up where he left off. It's going to be even more challenging for him as it got last year because he's on everybody's scouting report. And how many nights did we see the 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 best opposition defender on him, uh, which is a tremendous compliment to him. And while that may quiet him at times, it opens up opportunities for others. But he's developing counters. Uh, he's great at moving without the basketball. Uh, outstanding. That's why he's in such great shape to be able to run in half court through screens like he does. He's tireless. Uh, I think his off the dribble game is going to be a little bit better to enable him to do some other things. And he's got some excellent teammates around him. I think Tyler Hero, you know, listen, he was good in the regular season, then got unplugged with that February 3rd or February 5th ankle injury that cost him considerable time. He came back a better and different player in the bubble. He was incredible in the playoffs. He started five games in the finals. He was great in the conference finals. And I think he's ready to pick up where he left off. He's going to be a better defender this year. He's going to be a better playmaker this year. And I think you're going to see a versatility and a, and a varied menu in his offense. It's not just going to be three-point shots. And, and we've seen him go to the basket well in the preseason. Kendrick Nunn, listen, I love the kid. Um, I love his story. He's in a fight for minutes to stay in the rotation with the addition of Avery Bradley. They, you got five heat guards, all capable and worthy of minutes, and they're all not going to get consistent minutes. Uh, but I love his competitive nature. He's a skilled offensive player who's working on his defense. Um, but I'm not sure what's ahead this year for, for Kendrick. Um, but it's a great situation to have these guys with the, with the experience they got last year and all hungry and ready for more. And guess what, uh, Ethan, I don't want to jump ahead of any of your questions, but with Precious Achua and mm -hmm. KZ Akpala this year, um, I think those two guys are going to be the two young players that emerge uh, in the Heat vocabulary and vernacular this year. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm expecting good things from both of those players. Yeah, no doubt. And I want to get to them next. So, so let's dive into that a little bit. You know, I, I think that the, what KZ showed the other night in the second preseason game is kind of what we've been hearing about um, for a while, you know, that this was there, um, that he was working on all of this in the G league, but it was kind of out of sight, out of mind. And so it was kind of, 
it was it was kind of like rumors and a lot of you know it's like the myth of kz has been built up on social media but then you see it in person you know in that second preseason game and you see not only the athleticism and the defensive ability uh and the ball handling but also the three-point shooting which is not necessarily something that you know we thought was going to be foremost in his game at the very start I'm trying to temper expectations with him a little bit, but I feel like with what hero did and none did and Robinson did in, and Robinson was essentially a rookie last year, what they did in their first real live game action. Like it's hard to temper expectations for, for what KZ could potentially become here and, and maybe even how much he contributes this season. Well, Ethan, he's, he's the mystery guest this year, because think about it, from even in his first summer league after, you know, the heat thought enough of them, they gave up two future second round picks to get him. Then he comes to summer league and has an injury and doesn't participate. He winds up only playing in 20 G league games. He did show some potential there. He only played five games in a heat uniform last year. And you just didn't see an awful lot other than the potential versatility he had as a defender, the way he moves his feet, his size and his instincts. But from what we heard and what we were told by heat coaches, he really made progress in Orlando in the bubble before he before he got sidetracked there. And he continued that development in this seven week offseason. And then the other night against Toronto, I think the whole world got to see what the Heat saw in him all along. Uh, yeah, he goes six to ten from three Had a lot of great looks on the corner three, which who, whoever's playing that four spot for Miami. You saw it for Jay Crowder. Uh, last last year after his acquisition. And you're going to see if who's ever at the four spot this year. They're going to be open looks uh, at the corner three. So the fact that he can go six for 10, uh, the fact that he's got a handle to his game now, um, but what, uh, you know, and he can score, but listen, it's his, re, it's his defense and his athletic ability, his ability to rebound. But, you know, in that game the other night, we saw him defend Siakam. We saw him defend... Kyle Lowry, we saw him defend Fred Van Vliet, and it just jumped off the screen at you. And, uh, I, you know, listen, it's unlocked the door for him. I, I, I think, you know, what we saw the other night against Toronto is something that Eric Spolstra and the staff, you know, they're seeing it, you know, every day in practice. And what they're seeing, I think, opened him up for the kind of minutes that he's gotten in the two preseason games. Now, I think it's the most interesting question of the preseason. Who is going to be the opening night starter at the four spot? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's the one vacancy with Jay Crowder gone. And Spoke could go in so many different directions. You got you got Mo Harkless. Uh, you got Kelly Olenek. You've got uh, Myers Leonard as, as sort of a knowns. Mm-hmm. But then there's Precious Achua. And there's Casey Akpala, and I think both of those guys are in the running for minutes. I, I wouldn't listen. Would I be surprised a little bit? I would not be shocked if Akpala is the opening night starter at at that spot. Remember, you're going to have to match up with Vucevic and Aaron Gordon opening night in Orlando. So how you match up defensively with those two guys? Bam's going to be on one of them. Who's going to be on the other? Um, I think Akpala. Uh, threw his hat into the ring, whether it's starting, whether it's just rotation minutes, I think he's a factor. And and it's a surprise because uh, most people were not counting on that. But KZ, with nobody watching, has been putting in a lot of very useful work. And uh, 
the, the kid is scratching at something a lot bigger. And I, and I think Achua, you know, listen, he, he's been hurt by the fact that there was no summer league, uh, that there was a shorter preseason. But when you can go out in your second professional game and, and get 13 points and 15 rebounds in a little over 20 minutes, I think as the season goes on, he's going to become a dynamic component for Miami. He, you know, th- that spot, if, if you can defend and give Miami rebounds, I mean, if Miami is a better rebounding team, Miami's going to be a better team. It, it's what hurt them in the finals. Uh, it looked like a potential flaw in that preseason opener against New Orleans where the Pelicans pounded Miami on the glass. Uh, but with Opala and Achua playing well in the second game, Miami pounded Toronto uh, on the glass. So I, I think those two guys – as this season progresses, are going to be more and more fact, positive factor for Miami. Yeah, it's amazing. You talk about a finals team, and we're talking about two, you know, twenty-year-olds uh, who essentially could play a big role. But that's sort of the development system that they've created here, and it's very different from what we've seen before. I want to close with one player who I don't think has sometimes has gotten enough attention over the course of his Heat career, uh, but I think that he earned sort of a different place in heat history with what happened in the bubble. And that's Goran Dragic. I think if you could look back now and say six or five years ago, when you make that trade and obviously everybody knows, you know, you trade for Goran that day, Chris Bosch goes to the hospital with the blood clots. You never really got to see it the way you wanted to see it. And then Goran had to kind of fight through with some teams that were not as competitive as maybe some heat teams have been. He obviously had that 30 and 11 run with, with seven 11 and all that. But I feel like he elevated himself in heat. Like his approval rating with Heat fans is off the charts at this point. And now we see he's back. Like I, when when he hurt himself, I was told two to three month injury, and you know he's back. It's less than two months, and he played in the second preseason game. Where, in your view, you, you've seen them all now. Where, in your view, does Goran Dragic fit in Heat history? Well, I think he's one of the most respected players we've ever had. And this is going to be his seventh year in a Heat uniform. And I think sort of underappreciated for for most of that time in Miami and now really valued and respected as as he has earned. He's he's always been a great teammate. He's a team guy, um, plays hard, takes the game personal, um, and has a very complete game. He's a very good player. But what he did, you know, last year, I think endeared him in a way that that will never go away uh, here in South Florida. The first first thing he did, accept that role coming off the bench and become he became one of the league's best sixth men. And in a league of egos, he was able to subjugate his and do what was best for the team. And then when Spo needed him to start in the playoffs, he was there. Sixteen of his starts came in the playoffs. He averaged 19 points a game in the playoffs. 21 points a game in the conference finals where he was outstanding. And, you know, it was one of the most heartbreaking moments that I can remember for, for a Miami Heat team to see him go down with that foot injury in, in the, in the first game of the NBA finals. It sort of, you know, you felt your stomach and your heart just drop into the same abyss when that happened and missing him for games two, three, four, and five, it was painful uh, for him, and it was, I think it was painful for Heat Nation to watch games with, without him. But his courageous and heroic comeback in game six, and it's not what he did in game six, it's just the fact that he played injured and, and just wanted to be out there for his team. You know, the last endearing act of, of, a, of a season of endearing acts for him. And, and, and plus his relationship with Jimmy Butler, 
Um, and just having his veteran presence, another special winning warrior veteran that makes his Heat team, you know, so fan worthy. And uh, uh, so, and, and I think he's super worthy of the attention and the adulation he's received. And, and, and listen, he, he got the Heat into the finals. You know, I know he wants a championship. Maybe he's going to get that opportunity this year. But uh, he's clearly uh, earning the respect over his long career. And now this will be his seventh year in Miami. Uh, one, one of the most beloved and I think respected players we've had here in a long, long time. All right. We always appreciate it, Eric. We re- thank you for taking the time and doing this with us. Of course, you'll catch him on the broadcast on Fox Sports Sun uh, all throughout the season. A little bit different. I will wave to you in the arena um, from somewhere. Parts unknown. I'm not exactly sure where they're putting us. Uh, but it's good to have you back in there. It's going to be good to be back in there this season. Eric, thanks for taking the time. Ethan, it's great. Listen, it's it's a group effort that we're all involved with covering the Heat, but it, it's almost become like a singular endeavor. You'll see it when you come to games, but it's still, uh, you know, we're we're all blessed uh, to plug ourselves into watching Heat basketball every night and sharing that experience with the great fans of Heat Nation. And, and we're real happy to be able to do that for 33rd straight year, Ethan, and we're, and we're looking forward to game one right all the way through. All right. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network.